welcome to the Enchanted Ears podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And this episode all started with the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, <laughs> do, do elaborate. This is true. This is a 100% true story. This episode would not exist if it wasn't for the Cheesecake Factory. And we're so ta- the episode itself, not what we're about to speak, talk about. The episode the itself. The episode itself, yes. Okay. And we're talking about Disney Quest. Oh. So how does Cheesecake Factory and Disney Quest connect is a very curious, curious case. But I do want to say no news this week because we are on a little summer vacay. We're on a break, so we're pre-recording this episode. So have no idea what news came out. Probably something crazy. Uh, it, it tends to do that when <laughs> I was we're not say, around. Usually when we don't have news, there's big news. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, there's there's been some pretty big news the past yeah, few maybe weeks. Maybe it'll settle down. Yeah. So maybe maybe we'll get lucky. But yeah, so I was bored one day and don't ask me why I went on Wikipedia on the Cheesecake Factory because for some reason I wanted to learn more about the Cheesecake Factory. Wait. So this... You just decided to go on, and did you go on to find out how many different meals they have um, and apps? No, I think I was maybe. Drinks. I think I was maybe looking for like number of locations or just to get like more of the history of the Cheesecake Factory. Again, I don't know why I was just bored one day and thinking of Cheesecake Factory. So it started off as a bakery and then you know kind of expanded from there. I think they have like a few hundred locations. I don't even remember the number, but one little tidbit of information jumped out at me because the Cheesecake Factory has other restaurants not called the Cheesecake Factory. And it talked about this one thing called Cheesecake Factory Express, which was a concept that was in a place none other than Disney Quest. And I go, excuse me? There was Cheesecake Factory and Disney Quest? And so I was like, well, I can now talk, I can now make a podcast about this because it ties in. So yeah, the, um, there was a Cheesecake Factory Express in Disney Quest, and the plan was, as we will get into the history of Disney Quest and what it was, a little bit about it, you know, the plan was to have Disney Quest all over the country, and the Cheesecake Factory Express was going to be the restaurant in all of these. So they had like high hopes that Disney Quest would, you know, go big and, and Cheesecake Factory would be everywhere, um, and it ended up they had one of these. But that wow. was on their Wikipedia page for some reason, and so it got me into Disney Quest, and I go, you know what? We haven't really ever talked about Disney Quest. Yeah, we've talked about, you know, their their failed ski lodge in California. We've talked about, I think we talked about the um, the one they were supposed to build in like the Midwest somewhere. I can't remember which. Yeah, there was one but, in St. Louis. There was one yeah, in Virginia. I feel like we've talked about yeah. a couple of those. Yeah, so we, we have. I know we definitely talked about the ski lodge, but yeah. Correct. Yeah, so we're talking about Disney Quest today, all thanks to the Cheesecake Factory. I should have reached out to them and got them to sponsor this. Not sponsored at all, but... Maybe they've gotten some free cheesecake. Maybe if somebody's listening, they'll send us a coupon for free cheesecake. Because we've said it enough. I feel like people, if they're listening to this at the right time when they're hungry, they're going to <laughs> Cheesecake Factory and buying some cheesecake. Exactly. All right. So let's tie this back to Disney here with Disney Quest. So before we get into Disney Quest, I think it's interesting to talk about kind of why Disney Quest started, the division that was started that that kind of brought about Disney Quest. And I think what's interesting as I kind of researched this and looked into what Disney Quest was. A lot of our listeners may be familiar with what Disney Quest was if you went to it down in Walt Disney World, but you may not know all the backstory. But but what is interesting about it is within Disney, if you follow the company, no idea ever truly dies. They come up with an idea, they decide not to build it, but then 
10 years later, they come, somebody says something that's just slightly different than that other idea and they go, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Um, so maybe this could be solace for all of us who love the Star Cruiser. Well, I, I mean, I think <laughs> a lot of this ties into the Star Cruiser. I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, parallels between this and what they were doing with the Star Cruiser. There's a lot of parallels, I think, between this and what they were talking about with the Metaverse. Again, no good idea dies. I mean, you talked about the Ski Lodge. Basically, Country Bears Jamboree was going to be the show at the Ski Lodge. The ski lodge got canceled. They go, hey, that show was a cool idea. Let's put something like that in the park. So this all started with Disney Regional Entertainment. And again, it's, it's another example of when Disney does this or like we got this grand plan. We're going to run before we walk. Um, and that usually seems to when they get themselves in trouble. But it started in 1996 uh, with Michael Eisner. Again, he was expanding the company. Uh, and Art Levitt, who was the VP of the parks at the time. And he was responsible for... Pleasure Island, uh, Disney Village, and then he actually went on to become the CEO of Hard Rock Cafe. So they created this new division, and the idea was to make Disney accessible across the country. I mean, that's a good idea because, again, like, you know, somebody might not be able to go to Florida or it might be expensive to get a plane ticket to Florida, but if there's one closer, it might be within a short drive of you and you could go and get a little bit of the Disney magic. Yeah. And this is kind of the first parallel because exactly what you're saying is, and what they were talking about when they started Disney regional entertainment is basically the exact same wording Chapek used a year ago, year and a half ago when he was talking about Disney entering the metaverse. So the mm -hmm. same thing, Hey, our parks are expensive. Not everybody can come to them. Not everybody can travel to them all the time. So we're going to bring the parks to wherever you are through this cool new technology called virtual reality, the metaverse. We're going to make the parks accessible to everybody. And it's interesting that in 1996, they were kind of basically saying the same thing. Hey, not everybody can come to a Disney park all the time. So we're going to put Disney parks everywhere. Yeah, I, I will say, I mean, yes, but at least... Disney Quest was a physical place that you could actually go to and not a Ready Player One situation where you're living in a fantasy land where you can't actually touch or experience any of... I don't know. The metaverse just freaks me out. Yeah, and, and that's kind of you know dead at this point. But the um, but yeah, but I mean, even, even with this, it's kind of taken the technology at the time. I mean, I'm sure if virtual reality was a thing, Michael Eisner would have tried to do virtual reality. You know what I mean? It's just... That wasn't a thing back then. They knew kind of brick and mortar. So there were three concepts that were created as part of this division. So you had the ESPN zone, which was the ESPN restaurants. Now, the one at Walt Disney World uh, is actually an ESPN club that was on the boardwalk. That was actually started as a proof of concept. So they actually started the idea for this before Disney even purchased ESPN as part of ABC. So they were considering a partnership with ESPN. And then obviously once they, they bought ESPN, it made a lot of sense. But they start with the ESPN club as a proof of concept and then open ESPN zones uh, throughout the country. I actually remember going to the ESPN zone in New York City in Times Square. And it was a really great experience because uh, you went there. They had obviously 
TVs everywhere, sports were on, but you actually sat in like leather recliners, like you were at home watching the game and they would come and serve you meals. And so you could eat and watch sports just like you're at home. It, it was great. I really loved the ESPN. So. Dad? Yeah, this was a, a while ago. I was, I was going to say, we've, we've been to New York a couple times since, but I don't remember this. Yeah, this was a, a long time ago. Um, when I was like a, a teenager, I went because um, I, I think it's been a while since they've had the ESPN zone there. Like it, it's closed, you know, a long time ago. And there aren't any ESPN zones anymore. But I do remember that. And it was a really cool concept. It was huge, though. And I think that's part of the problem with all of these. I mean, even with Disney Quest, like the footprint these things took up. It was too much real estate almost for them to, you know, ultimately be profitable. Um, so that was one concept. Again, that got built out. That was probably the most successful out of the three concepts because they did, you know, build out uh, quite a few ESPN zones. They lasted a while, um, were profitable. They had nine locations total, uh, and they ran for from 1998 to 2018, so about 20 years. So that was probably the the most profitable one of the three. The other one was Club Disney, uh, and there were ultimately five locations that opened in 1997, and they all closed in 1999. And these were for kids under nine. So again, as part of this, they're trying to make Disney accessible across the country. They're also trying to target different demographics and age groups. So this was uh, kids under nine. It was almost like a Discovery Zone type thing, if you remember that. It seemed to be uh, that's kind of what it competed with. Interesting. So I was just going to say, I mean, is this a cautionary tale for Universal? Because I believe one of their new theme parks they're supposed to be building that they announced was in Texas was supposed to be targeted at that younger demographic. So I'm almost wondering if, you know, I mean, it seems like this is maybe a little bit different, but it might be a little bit like a cautionary tale for them. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing with all of these and as they you know, said, Hey, they want to make Disney accessible across the country. None of these were theme parks. Yeah. I mean, true. At, at, least I think- the, at least the first two, once we get to Disney quest, that's probably the closest to a quote unquote themed entertainment, yeah, you know, if you will, theme park. and that's, it's still not a theme park. So yeah, I mean, I think what universal is doing is they're building an actual theme park yeah. and it's just, you know, it's going to be geared around minions and dreamworks and stuff, which are popular things. It's, you know, just not maybe as high intensity, attractions like you get at you know universal studios but but yeah so this was geared uh, more t- towards kids under nine again kind of like a discovery zone the one thing i thought was interesting is they had something called poo robics <laughs> which i think is a funny name um but it was you know based on winnie the pooh and it was a 10-week stretch and exercise program okay. for parents and kids so you kind of you know stretched and did your exercise with winnie the pooh and again i think the idea was get parents, you know, uh, and their kids to come in 10 weeks, um, kind of like a, a play group. So then again, Hey, you're there, you're going to stay play, maybe buy some food. Um, yeah. Interesting model. Again, ultimately didn't work, you know, basically made it two years and it closed all the locations. Yeah. I like the idea though, because I imagine as a new parent, you would want to make friends and with kids around your age and then, or your kid's age. And, uh, you know, you'd find people that you have a lot of commonality with. Like sometimes I do feel like, you know, these, these ideas that fail, there's such a large spark of a good idea, something that's needed in it. And it's, it's almost like it's a shame to see it fail. Like again, going back to the star cruiser, because it's, it's so different and unique and it's it is needed, but 
we've got to find a way to make it work also. That, that's a, an interesting take because I kind of agree with you. Like, you know, as you're talking about it, there, I, I imagine there are a lot of people that love Disney yeah. that are adults now that their kids love Disney that would be interested in something I would like do this. this if we had a kid. I think COVID changed the calculus on a lot of this stuff where, yeah. you know, people now may be more hesitant to go to large group settings, high touch, interactive things like this with their kids, rightly so. So I think now it's maybe not a good idea, but a few years ago, I think so. And yeah, I do. I, I find it interesting that, you know, in 1999, this closed and that in the, you know, let's say 20 years thereafter until right before COVID, Disney didn't try this again, or somebody didn't come to Disney and say, hey, we want to license Disney IP to create these, again, kind of like a Discovery Zone, uh, Dave and Buster's-esque thing where... Uh, it's it's geared towards kids. It's kind of like a play place. You know, you could do these classes. You could have all sorts of stuff all tied in the Disney characters. That it is interesting that nobody has tried it since then. So getting to Disney Quest, what which we're ultimately talking about today, that was the last concept that they had gone with. So the idea was that they were going to build these all across the country, and they were going to be uh, five story buildings that were a hundred thousand square feet. Um, so again, a really large footprint. And this was meant to be an indoor interactive theme park, but they weren't, they weren't like rides, like a theme park though. So I was actually really, you know, disappointed by this because I went and I, I watched, I mean, I think it was a really long video. It was like a 20 minute long video um, of Disney quest on and YouTube. I, yeah. yeah. So, on, so if you YouTube. have not gone, like we did not get a chance to go to Disney quest before it closed, but there are walkthroughs yeah. on YouTube. So go check those out if, if you haven't seen it. But it, it reminds me of, if you took a Dave and Buster's, crossed it with a casino, that's kind of really what it was like. And they had a lot of different games that um, kind of like video games. But this is where I think that it kind of fails because it's like you could play Disney themed video games at home. Yeah, you're right. They, they were very much video games. A lot of them dealt with virtual reality, which was actually kind of ahead of the curve at the time. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of them because it's built for high volume, high throughput there. But it wasn't like it was something where like a Dave and Buster's where you play a game and you win tickets to get a prize. Like it wasn't anything like that where you necessarily got rewarded for the stuff so like some of the attractions they had where they had pirates of the caribbean battle for, battle for buccaneer gold where you manned a pirate ship and you were trying to destroy other ships and collect gold they had a virtual jungle cruise you boarded an inflatable raft and then you made your way uh down the river they also had something where you could design a roller coaster and then ride it in a simulator so uh, a lot of uh you know, different rides. Um, but again, it was very much screen-based attractions, video game-esque attractions, not really a what you would think as a quote-unquote indoor theme park. There weren't, you know, rides. Again, you had the Jungle Cruise, but it was the virtual Jungle Cruise. I think they also had one where um, it was like Aladdin uh, Magic Carpet where you were on a magic carpet in virtual reality flying through uh, on Aladdin there as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting i also find it very interesting that the genie was their unofficial mascot like they've been really trying to use genie you know now they have genie plus as their mascot i mean he's a great mascot i would i would use him too but um i like how that was a failed one and so they've kind of recycled genie for that 
But yeah, it, it's, it seems like, I mean, it's an interesting concept, but it's again, it's one of those situations. Like, I feel like we got into this a little bit on last week's episode about when we were talking about Disney plus and how almost Disney would have been better served just selling off their IP, producing some th- certain things and selling them to like Apple TV or whatever. This is an interesting idea, but it's almost like why produce the games and sell them to David Buster's or sell them somewhere else so that somebody can have these cool experiences and it can be part of that. But then Disney doesn't have to take the hit if it fails. Yeah. And, and the other one they had, uh, I forgot about was they had an attraction based on alien encounter, which yeah. it's like, it, do you take two negatives and it makes a positive? Is that what they were trying? You take an attraction that did not do well uh, and add it to Disney quest and, and hopefully it does well. So the idea behind this, whenever they built these, um, again, they were going to put them all across the country. They ultimately only built two, uh, one in Orlando, which lasted until 2017, and one in Chicago. So the one in Orlando down at Walt Disney World opened in 1998, and that did last until 2017 uh, when it was torn down for the NBA experience, which we're not going to talk about that now because that was very short-lived. But in a future episode, we'll be talking about some of Disney's biggest mistakes Uh, And that will definitely be on the list there. (laughs) And then the one in Chicago opened in 1999 and it closed in 2001. So that only made it two years. Was the Cheesecake Factory in that one? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know that Wikipedia told me Because earlier we said there was only one location, but if they were in every location and that one did open, there's a potentiality for two Cheesecake Factory Expresses. It might have been there for two years. Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) And they also started one I read in Philadelphia. Um, They dug the hole for it. The one in Chicago did so poorly, they stopped and there was just a giant hole in Philadelphia for a while until they eventually filled it in and built something else. I don't remember what they built there, but... They, they broke ground, dug a giant hole and said, well, we better pump the brakes on this. This is not doing uh, as well as we thought. I would have just said a giant meteor hit the earth there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So they, they never got to the one uh, in Philly. But yeah, it's interesting that, you know, Chicago closed pretty quickly. They canceled Philadelphia. You know, there was, there was plans for one over in Disneyland that ultimately never materialized. But the one in Disney World, I mean, at the end of the day, it lasted basically 20 years, like 19, 20 years. Um, you know, from 1998 to 2017, that's actually pretty successful. I mean, if you think about it in terms of, again, this isn't a roller coaster. This isn't a, an attraction in a theme park. It is, it's, it's its own standalone thing. If you think about it like a show or some sort of entertainment uh, experience, 20 years is pretty good. I mean, we're talking about the Star Cruiser that lasted 18 months. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's it's pretty decent. You know, how it worked, you, you paid a fee to get in. So, it was um, a per person cost to get in, and then you got to experience everything. Um, and then again, if you compare it to again, like the NBA experience, which was a similar thing, you paid a fee to get in. You had these different experiences that didn't even last a year. So overall, I mean, the one Disney Quest that was built was pretty successful, and the idea behind this, and it, it was a smart idea that they had, was we're going to build these across the country and we're going to split the cost of them. So basically they were going to design the games and then put the same games and attractions in all of the Disney quest to kind of split that development cost. And they were all built to be modular so that you could easily take them out and replace them. So, you know, where it may cost, I don't know, $10 million to design a game that would be very cost prohibitive for one location. But if you had 10 locations across the country, now it's only a million dollars per location. You take it out and you move it. 
no, no, no. You design one game in the same way that Disney does in their theme parks. You build Tron in Shanghai, and then you build Tron in um, Walt Disney World. It's a lot cheaper to build the second and third oh, copy yeah, of yeah. it because you don't have all the engineering and development. So you spread out those development costs across 10 locations, which makes each game makes a lot cheaper because building the game is pretty cheap. It's designing it. It's all the technology of it. So you spread that out across all the locations. It makes it make more sense financially, but they never had the locations to do that. So basically they never changed out any of the games. There's a few of them that they did change out. There's actually one where it was remote control cars under the floor and one of the cars caught on fire. So they said, nope, we're not going to do this anymore. I like the one, the Hercules game. That actually sounds really interesting. So it was like you're you're Hercules and you control Hercules and you're trying to defeat Hades and um, but then they replaced that one with the Pirates of the Caribbean game. I mean, reading the descriptions of some of these attractions, it is it is a shame I think that it failed because they actually sound really cool. And when I watched the the video walkthrough, like you couldn't get that because the thing is, and I think it's the same issue that we talked about with the star cruiser. It's hard to market something that doesn't translate well in, well into marketing. And so star cruiser is unlike anything else and it's hard to know how to market it. Well, with this, there are these games that you're put into these cool situations. You get to be your favorite characters, but because it's a game, it's a virtual reality game. Um, how it's very difficult to kind of package that and put it into like materials to push out to the public. So they know it exists. I mean, we were going to Disney in 2017. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I knew Disney quest was there, but it's like, it's a giant building. I'm like, I don't know what that yeah, is. I don't know what know? it is. And I mean, we were, I'll say we were Disney babies at that point. We don't, we weren't really going to the parks as much as we do now. We didn't like now, if this exists, we'd be like, Oh, let's go. Like, yeah. But before it, that was when we were, you know, we'd go, we'd only been there a couple times. And when we went down, we were like, Oh, we got to ride all these rides. So we weren't really, you know, I'm kind of sad. We didn't get a chance to see this firsthand, but yeah, yeah, I ultimately think, you know, what hurt it was is they couldn't build out a lot of locations. So again, you know, it was basically the same things for 20 years. They, they had plans to every couple of years, they were going to change out the game. So again, it makes it, you want to come back because it's different stuff every time. They ultimately didn't do that. You talked about Hercules. That was like one of the things that they did change out. Um, the one with the remote control cars, they ran into interference problems. They started catching fire. So they got rid of that. But for the most part, everything was basically the same. I think where, where they kind of had a misstep is they built it too big. and yeah. And it's kind of like, what you see with the Star Cruiser, and I think what a lot of criticism of the Star Cruiser was, is that they they almost went too hard to begin with, and because they went so big, and I think I think it's the you know two sides of the same coin. We love the Star Cruiser, and people that went on it love it because they went so hard, and because it is so incredibly detailed and immersive, and the technology and everything works. But on the other side of that, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars building you know, this engine to make sure everybody's story, you know, got to where they need to be and that you could interact with characters and the decisions you make ultimately impact, you know, the storyline you're on and everything like that, that it, it became so cost prohibitive that they couldn't make it work financially. If they would have maybe paired some of that stuff back they could have charged less. Now, maybe people would have said, hey, it's not worth that because I, see, the experience yeah, isn't that good. I, I disagree with you on that one. But I think 
that's what happened with Disney Quest here is they built something that's 100,000 square feet. That That's a huge building. It's very expensive to build buildings like that, to pay for utilities, to make a profit on those. If they would have made these 20,000 square feet, 25,000 square feet, um, you know, again, like a Dave and Buster's model, Dave and Buster's aren't, you know, that big. You could have done it and I think tested it out and and made it make more sense economically and maybe had a better chance of having five or six of these across the country, which would have allowed you to spread those costs out of development versus trying to just maintain one giant building. Yeah, you got to figure too. I mean, people are going to pay to go see this because it has the Disney name on it. So you don't have like they could have cut that that building size in half easily, you know, it was what, 10,000 square feet, make it five. Okay. It was a hundred thousand square feet. A hundred. Okay. So you don't need even 50,000 square feet. I, That's I, what I'm saying. Yeah. Do, do 25,000. Like have, right. I get, I get Orlando. I get, you're in downtown Disney, the hub. Disney Springs. Yes. Maybe you could support a hundred thousand square foot building. And again, they did for 20 years, but I could see why if they're trying to build one of these in Chicago and Philadelphia and everywhere else, those type of cities, you're going to go to it maybe once. Like you're not going to be able to support that. You have to have smaller buildings because again, this was all predicated on scale. This was built on them having them across the country so that they could spread development costs across the country, that they could draw from pools of people that aren't going to, to Disney World and, and Disneyland all the time, but you don't need that big a building. It's it's too expensive to build. It's too expensive to lease, all, all that sort of stuff. And I mean, just to kind of add to that, you figure probably their target demographic for this is young kids to teenagers because it's it's gaming. And so when you think about that age group, I mean, even for, for me, I am easily overwhelmed. Like if I have too much choice, there are too many things to do. It starts to make me feel almost powerless and too small. And then it, it almost shuts me down. Well, I think that a lot of kids are like that as well, where there are so many lights and whistles and games and things like that, that they feel torn in 50 different directions. So when you have a building this big with so many different inputs coming in, it's an overwhelming thing. So actually paring that down and making it simpler and doing less with it, I think would have been ultimately more successful because it would become a place that you might, that kid might want to revisit or um, go back to because it's not, it's a lot and it's cool, but it's not too much. Yeah, I also think it would allow them to be more nimble in terms of the changing times because I, I think the other thing, even if they would have built a bunch of these in the early 2000s, video games, tablets, those type of devices weren't as popular. Yeah. I mean, video games were popular, but like not to the level they are today, you know, where people are streaming constantly, graphics are insane. And again, you everybody now has a tablet or a phone that's basically as good as the original PlayStations were in their pocket. So the fact that most of these things were kind of screen-based video game-esque designs, I think they would have struggled now anyways, because now you're competing with tablets. I mean, when we went to Dave and Buster's, I know we're comparing this to Dave and Buster's a lot. Uh, you know, five or six of their games were apps. They have a Angry Birds game. They have a Fruit Ninja game. So it's just like, I'm just playing what I play on my phone on a big screen. And so it's like Disney would have been competing with that of like, well, why do I want to come and play, you know, Pirates, you know, uh, battle for the, you know, gold treasure here on a, on a screen when I can play a game with just as good a graphics or better on my phone at any time. I do wonder because... I 
maybe it's because we're, we're now, I guess, uh, older. Um, because when we go to Dave and Buster's, like, I feel like you and I do not gravitate also to the games that are on the screens. We actually seem to, to, de- uh, to gravitate more towards the things that had physical pieces to them. So like there was a Homer Simpson game where I was shooting a soccer ball. I really liked that one. Um, there was another one where we were bouncing ping pong balls at like little light lit up, um, like a grid and we were trying yeah. to hit all of them, but there was a physical element to all of those. They weren't necessarily screen dependent. So I wonder if they ran into the issue of there's too many screens and maybe people weren't that interested. Yeah. And so they did have some attractions we'll call them here that yet weren't just game based weren't just screen based so they had a radio disney song maker where you could create your own song then you had to purchase it later though so additional upcharge um animation academy where you could learn to draw and then again you could purchase a printout of it um they also had a buzz lightyear astro blasters which sounds pretty cool actual astro blasters right well, yeah, so you, you had bumper cars that went over foam balls or asteroids, and you would could, your car would, like, suck them up, and then you could shoot them at the other cars. So, like, Mario Kart. And then if you hit the correct spot, they would spin. So kind That's of like, awesome. So kind of like Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin, where the cars spin and you have targets. But, uh, yeah, so they had some of that stuff where it was physical. So I'm with you. I think they would have had to have leaned more heavily into that versus just the screen base. But, again... I think when you have as big a footprint as they had, it's harder to make those changes. You know, yeah. if, if you kept it small, you would have been able to do it easier. You know, the other thing as I was going through this and where I can see another parallel to Disney. Now it seems like we're not going to get this, but the play pavilion that Disney had announced, this was a very similar idea to the play pavilion, at least originally we're going to build these things. It's going to always, every couple of years, we're going to replace it with something new, the newest technology, you know, the newest game, whatever to keep it fresh, keep people entertained. And that's kind of what the play pavilion was supposed to be. They were going to build this in Epcot and it was going to be this kind of black box theater where Imagineering, brought out their newest tech, their newest designs, and they tried stuff. So if they, you know, had some cool new patent that they built and, you know, they weren't sure if guests would like it or how it would work, they would bring it to the play pavilion. They would test it out. They'd see how it worked. People liked it, how people responded, kind of work out the bugs. And then, you know, if it did well, they would put it in some sort of attraction. And it's a similar thing where you were going to be able to play games, see the newest technology, but it would constantly be changing, constantly be evolving And it would get you to want to come back and it would allow Disney to try things on a different scale. I really do feel a lot of parallels here with kind of that's what Disney was doing with Disney Quest. They made it more, you know, game based. Um, They could have, I think, you know, pivoted and make it more like, hey, we're trying out technology and some of that stuff, which would, again, made it interesting because wouldn't you love to go and see Imagineering's newest tech yes. every couple of years? Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think the Play Pavilion is still a great idea. I mean, the where Disney Quest was, they tore that building down, built the NBA experience. Now that there's nothing there that's empty, maybe they could put a smaller version of the Play Pavilion in there. And again, because yeah. I, I still think there's a very... Um, I think, I think that's a very good idea, and I think there's a very real audience that would happily go to this and pay a little bit extra money to see the latest and greatest thing that Imagineering is working on. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, it's because you're you're then tapping into the, the fan base, and so you, know, you, you charge almost like a premium. You could even make it a um, 
like a backstage tour kind of thing where you use this building to house Imagineering and then you allow people to go and kind of play with the stuff and you get to talk about it. You get a, a Disney cast member to come with you and they talk you through it and allow you to kind of, you know, maybe operate it or just see how it works. I think that this would be really cool. And again, you don't have to charge for it. I mean, right now, the NBA experience building is sitting empty. There's nothing going on in it. Where they were going to put the play pavilion is sitting empty. There's nothing going on in it. So you're, you know, Imagineering would be gaining, basically you'd be doing massive um, consumer focus groups yeah. on all your new tech. So they would be getting valuable feedback from millions of guests every year on what works, what doesn't work, which is probably worth more to them than them charging some sort of amount. So just, you, you, I, you know, it's Disney. They probably would charge for it. If it's in Epcot, obviously you don't have to charge for it. But like if they did it in the NBA experience, I'm sure they'd want to you know get something um, for that building. But it's like, it's sitting empty. Now you have these buildings sitting empty. Why not do something like this? Because it's going to, it's going to be so much goodwill with the fans too. Of like, I get to see behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it's going to get them so much more excited for the rides coming out. Like we've talked about this. They don't really have anything big announced, right? But if we saw, Oh, look at this cool thing. Imagineering's working on. I can't wait till this comes out. Like you at least know they're doing something. And at least right. you're going to get every six months, a year, you're going to get some good publicity and you don't necessarily need a, a new, you know, $400 million ride to do it. You just throw some new Imagineering tech out there. I can almost even see. Okay, so imagine now. Now this is a little off track, but you know you have the Animation Academy. What if they had like a programming academy or something where you know they're talking about their AI that they're working on, and you even get like a little AI robot, and by the end of it, you actually program. They teach you how to program the robot to do something cool. Yeah, and like then, like an Imagineering Academy, right? Yeah. Exactly. Or, or even, yeah, just how do we how do we design things? Yeah, that would be cool, and yeah. it would excite people. I mean, can I you imagine it. if you were a kid and you visited a kid? that? I'm going. I'm well, an adult. I get it, but if you're a kid and you visited that, then you might say, "Oh my gosh, like this is now my dream." Like oh, yeah. I, I yeah. recognize that this is something that I can do, and it might be a good talent generator for Disney. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, even just like this is what Imagineering does because when you hear imagineering it's such a big blanket term yeah and you're like i I don't know what do i have to do to become an imagineer do i just think of things but like (laughs) you know from seeing um a lot of the the stuff on disney plus with the behind the scenes shows and the history of imagineering and behind the scenes of disney there's people that do concept drawings you know so if you're an artist you know you can be an imagineer because you do concept art there's people that just do modeling there's people that do um, you know, and we're talking with clay, not you know, like posing. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, clay modeling or or building the you know attractions to scale. There's people that do you know the engineering and design. So yeah, there's like a wide variety of you know disciplines within and, imagineering. I mean, it's it's yeah, there are, there are artsy things, but then there are there's people that write the scripts. scientific things. Yeah, there's people yeah. That write the scripts. I mean, if you're a writer, you could be a script writer for imagineering, and like right. you, you don't think of that, you know. And so you're yeah, having something like that of yeah, Imagineering Academy, how we take an idea from, you know, idea to, uh, you know, completed attraction, I think would be would be really interesting there. I think that this would be a great attachment to the new Figment ride that I came up with about yeah, how... Have, have how Figment to, be the new face of Imagineering. Yeah, exactly. I think it's great. So, all right, but that's that wraps up the episode for this week, all about Disney Quest. Again, a, a very interesting tale. 
uh, about Disney Quest, it, a lot of parallels to what Disney has done past and present, and probably we will see parallels in the future, <laughs> in the future. Uh, as they come to this as well. But it is very easy for us to look back and be like, "This is why it failed." No, and, <laughs> not even saying hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, and, and not even saying why it, it failed. I think ultimately, you know, the one in Orlando just kind of ran its course. Again, you know, twenty years is a pretty good run, but a lot of parallels again in, in the ideas behind why they started Disney Quest uh, and in some of the stuff they did. And again. All thanks to the Cheesecake Factory on this one, because for some I'll reason, the Cheesecake when Factory. I was looking up Cheesecake, it said Disney Quest, and I thought, we're going to talk about Disney Quest. But You know you made me want Cheesecake now, right? I made everybody want Cheesecake, and Cheesecake Factory, you're welcome if you're listening. I will take free, free Cheesecake. Yeah. yeah, just free te- I would be happy with free Cheesecake. Free Cheesecake for the advertisements. And I did mention the NBA experience and how short-lived that was. And like I said, that is going to be coming up in a future episode where we talk about Disney's biggest mistakes. So be sure to subscribe so you're the first to be notified when that one does come out. And if you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. It really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.